What's up, shooters? We have a fun one for you this week. We bring on head girls coach up at Algona High School, Noel McLaughlin. Noel's been up in Algona for 16 years now, which makes me feel really old because Noel came in shortly after I graduated. Um, actually, two years after I graduated. It's hard to believe that coming up on my 20-year class reunion here. But um, Noel's been up there for 16 years and spent uh, a majority of that, actually all but one, going on two of that with the boys program. Um, he talks about it in this episode, but really kind of building the culture around the game of basketball and building the program at the same time. And they had a lot of talent come through. They've, they've done some really great things up there and, and, and coaches the reason for that. And so fun conversation, obviously fun for me to be able to catch up with coach and uh, talk teams that I'm very familiar with and in the area and the conference. And so a lot of fun talking with Noel. He's got a lot of insight. He's been coaching um, not only in Algona, but throughout the state of Iowa for a long time. And so he brings some really good nuggets uh, that hopefully you can take with you and use back at your programs as well. And so without further ado, let's go. Let's get into it. New intro. Drop it. I was getting, I'm getting a lot of no letters. And I kept some of the letters because it was like motivation for me. I was young in my coaching career. I did know that those guys I was coaching, this was their one opportunity. If you really want the players to like you, just make them better. If I want to keep playing this game, you know, as a job, I, I have to continue to get better at that. You have to figure out a way to carve out some value that you have that you can bring not only to your team, but also your profession. It's really good information, and I pick up little nuggets all the time. For me, it's all about confidence, man. You, you have to have confidence to be a shooter, to be uh, a basketball player in general, and to have success. You, you, it's all about confidence. If they walk a mile in my shoes, then they can ball like I do. But my game different, not the same with it. I travel now, y'all just change, pivot. Well, Coach McLaughlin, welcome to the Shooter's Touch. Fan of what you guys do. Uh, you've had some some pretty good guys on there. And so uh, now being a part of that, I feel like, hey, this is kind of a cool thing. So um, really excited today. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're excited to have you. Obviously um, unique and hopefully feels like a privilege. First, uh, first I'm going to coach to make it on the podcast, yeah. um, even though it's come up a lot in conversation and obviously a big part of my toolage and uh, mentors and stuff that I had growing up. And so uh, while I didn't have the opportunity to play for you, I'm excited to, to hear your story. And uh, I hope I hope all is going well up north. Uh, how, how are things going up in Algona? How How's the family? How's everything going? Well, Brian, first of all, Algona, you know more about Algona than, than anybody. Uh, and I would have loved to have been here a little bit earlier to have you. That would have been amazing. But uh, having you, you know, around and, and the alumni tournaments and stuff, you kind of know a little bit about uh, my path in the last what's going on 18 years here now. We'll get to that. But uh, everything in Algona is great. I see your mom and dad a lot. Your dad referees are lower level stuff. Um, his back surgery went well and uh my family's doing well too um and and so everything's great up north here we're kind of back to normal this summer and and uh it's, it's been a good summer well that's great and uh, you mentioned obviously daughter's active um and we'll, we'll get to the switch from from the boys to the girls side and what that what part they played in that but so ages so you guys are playing some hoops too so i just say sixth and eighth grade or going to be six yeah I've, I've got uh three daughters now uh when we moved to algona i had married an algona girl 
Uh, and so, um, you know, my path led me here and uh, coaching the boys for, for quite a while now and made the switch. But my family, uh, my wife is a teacher up here. Uh, that's what brought us up north, I would call it, from uh, the Des Moines area. And I've got uh, my 15-year-old. She'll be in high school next year with me. She just turned 15 last year. So she's out driving around and getting herself to workouts and stuff. That's nice. Uh, and then I'll have a seventh grader. Uh, and then I, I'll have a fourth grader. So three daughters. They're keeping us busy. Softball, a lot of basketball, workouts. Uh, we're always on the go. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Kind of keeps, keeps you young, keeps you going. Um, <coughs> maybe maybe keep you off that Tom Claude uh, surgery train. And you'll be all right, right? <laughs> You're right. Yep, it does. It keeps you going. Well, I want to, uh, I don't know, I don't know, maybe jump back there. Alumni tournaments, huh? We might... Uh, we might have to do another podcast on on Brian's uh, maybe some statistics from those tournaments and if we can get some video. Maybe maybe after this you can work on getting some video of that. I tell you what, I moved to Algona uh, what it's seventeen years ago now, just over. And and when I got to know this alumni tournament, the level of play you're talking, it's Garrigan and Algona together. And if you ever paid attention to the athletes that have gone through Algona and the athletes that have gone through Garrigan. Uh, and if you ever got creative in your mind and said, man, what if they played together? Well, sometimes you get to see that in the alumni tournament, and it is truly something to watch. I, I love going to watch it. Uh, it's kind of connected our alumni to me and to our program over the years. So it's a really important piece to me. And uh, we didn't get to have it last year, but uh, BC, he, he was hooping it up many and many <laughs> times when I was in the, in the stands watching. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, I've, uh, I've, I've been on the other side of that of that hooping once or twice <laughs> up here in the, some of the old man's league, but uh, yeah. interesting, uh, interesting prospect for sure. That's good. That's good. But uh, Hey, let's jump all the way back coach. Where are you from? You know, let our listeners know uh, about growing up where athletics came into the picture. Sure. Sure. Uh, I, I born and raised in Denison, but uh, before I hit high school, uh, made the, the move, the family moved to central Iowa. I'm a Ballard Huxley grad. Uh, legendary coach Larry Schaefer, um, Hall of Fame coach. Uh, he's kind of the, the guy that brought me in. I was going to be a high school kid, an eighth grade kid, actually, and met him right away. Uh, Larry Schaefer, Ballard Huxley, this is back in the, the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to explain, but when I walked into their gym for the first time, we're registering for school, and I looked, and there were these kids from Johnston, these kids from Ames. Uh, you know, you're talking like that's Fred Hoiberg's era. Uh, Fred Hoiberg's in the Ballard Huxley gym and, and I'm just a young kid and I'm going, where am I at? And it was unbelievable. Their camps going on. And, and I was just hooked from that minute. Like, Hey, I, I landed in a pretty good spot. Uh, and coach Schaefer uh, passed away here. Oh, well, it's gotta be around six years or so. Now uh, I was fortunate enough to play for him. I uh, went on and played uh, at Southwestern community college for a year and then at DMAC for a year. Um, and then at that point, uh, transferred to Iowa State and, and became an education major, elementary education, because I knew I wanted to coach. And Coach Schaefer, uh, being so close to Ames, brought me in as a middle school coach. Uh, and that's really, I was a junior in college and I started coaching. And probably even more before that, my senior year of high school, you know, you're, you, at that time period, uh, 1994, graduate of Ballard, um, the AAU wasn't the same. Instead, it was like at the end of your season, you know, the kids that are still going to be juniors, you know, they're sophomores, they're going to be seniors, going to be juniors. They'd put a team together and go play in Des Moines. Uh, we'd go down to Urbandale High School and, and the coaches couldn't coach them. So here I'm a senior, haven't graduated yet. I'd take our team down and start coaching them. Uh, in the summer, I'd come home and, and play pickup games with them and coach them on their, their weekend tournaments. So really, that's, that's about when I'm about 18 years old. 
And then Coach Schaefer hired me as a middle school coach when I was 20. So, uh, and that kind of was hooked. Uh, stayed there for, for three years, did my student teaching there, um, moved up, became his assistant in his last year. And you get to remember Coach Schaefer at, at Ballard, I think he, he was there 22 years, had a winning record like 20 years of those. Um, he was in the, the, uh, the Heart of Iowa Conference that kicked him out of there for winning the conference so, so many times. And Ballard was becoming a little bigger school. Uh, he makes the state tournament six times. So uh, Coach Schaefer kind of brought me along and, and helped me get to where I am. Um, after I graduated from Iowa State, I uh, took a teaching job. Uh, Tom McDonald, who was, um, he'd been at Perry High School. He'd been an assistant at Drake. He'd been an assistant at Florida State. Gave me a call and said, Noel, I got a, I got a job for you. Uh, they're not real good, uh, but this is a perfect job for you. It's about an hour from Maine. And so I went to Clarion. And uh, uh, Clarion Goldfield we weren't real strong in basketball, but that's kind of where I, I got my feet wet, stayed there for a couple of years and knew, you know, it was, it was probably time for me to, to move on and, and find a, a job that I was going to be a little more comfortable in. Um, and so oddly enough, the Ballard connections kind of spread wide. Uh, at that time, Indianola with Burt Hansen had just won a title. I think that was, correct me if I'm it's right, right around 2001 when Indianola won it they all bleached their hair blonde yep. they had the, the five out system I mean they yeah, were rolling yeah. uh and so their athletic director was Gary Telfer and he was my athletic director at Ballard and the softball coach there was very successful uh and big in the, the girls union he said Noel I need a girls coach and I need somebody who will come in here and and change this thing around we're having a little trouble down here so uh after some convincing, I said, you know what, I'm going to jump over to the girls basketball side. I'd, I'd had three years as an assistant at Ballard, two years as a head coach and uh, jumped to Indianola for two years. And I tell you what, I was still a young man at BC. I still like to play back then. Yeah, oh, I did yeah. not. I did not really enjoy what I was doing at that time. And so it just was too different. And so kind of as my story continues, I got out of that pretty quick. I said, two years, this is tough. It's tough playing Dowling. And Ankeny won four titles in a row at that time period, uh, back to back to back to back. And, you know, we're playing them, giving up, you know, 97 points one night going, man, this is tough. Uh, and, and I have a good friend, and you've had him on the show, BC, uh, Chris Larson up at Norwalk. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I knew Chris through Tom, Tom McDonald again and Chris and I were, you know, in touch. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> he said, you got to get up here. I got a, I got an assistant job. And so we jumped on board there. I could drive back and forth from Indianola. And uh, we went up and that first year we got uh, third in the state tournament. And that was where Chris had really been turning Norwalk around and he was doing good things. And, and it was kind of like my second mentor then at that point as, you know, I had coach Schaefer. I, I thought I knew what I was doing, but I was still a young man, didn't know anything really. And then jumping on with Chris was was probably the best thing I ever did. Uh, he, he gave me a lot of, uh, you know, lead of what I could do, run camps. Uh, you know, I'd sit next to him during games. Hey, we got to try this. We got to do that. Um, he had some excellent athletes at that time. Uh, we went down, got third at the state tournament. And really, it was the time where we turned Norwalk basketball around and it started to become something. Uh, and he told he taught me, be patient, Noel, be patient. So I stayed with him for two years, patient interviewed for some jobs uh, until Algona popped up. And uh, my wife, she wasn't my wife at that time, but, but we were going to get married, didn't have kids yet. And uh, said, you know what, Algona's a good place. Kind of did my research, good school district. Uh, I said, I'll be there for a couple of years and I'll find a job in the Des Moines area. And now 
I'm going on 18 BC. <laughs> 18 now. And if you, you, you look at that 18 years uh, here, 25 years coaching now, it's like you blink. Uh, but I love it here. I, I found my home uh, 16 years with the boys and just wrapped up my first year with the girls. And that's a story in itself. Man, it, it doesn't even seem like 16 years that you oh. uh, coach those boys. I, I don't know. Of course, I always say, you know, you, you, you feel like when you leave high school, everyone just stays the same age. And so like, nobody ever gets any older. So you're like, oh, yeah, that guy, you know, yeah. Yeah. He's, a, he's, he's, a, he's a senior this year. Like, no, his 10-year class reunion. Like, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, but um, so what you mentioned basketball, obviously, as a youngster. Um, any other sports that uh, that you played? I mean, obviously, you know, you talk about being from a smaller community. I'm assuming there were other sports in the mix. But what did yeah, you play yeah. as a youngster? Yeah, you know, I was a four-sport athlete. Um, Ballard Huxley today is not the same as what it was in 1994. It's, it's just boom. Mom, my mom and dad are still there. So uh, good friends. Chris, Chris uh, Deason took over after Coach Schaefer. Um, I stayed on that summer and helped him uh, until I found my job. So uh, the connection has, has stayed there. And Chris just got out a year ago um, at Ballard. So uh, I was a baseball player there. Merle Oberding was my coach. Merle, uh, was a baseball coach. He had some ties to Iowa State, but he also went on later to be the girls' basketball coach at Ballard. And I think Merle, I can't even put a number on how many state tournaments, um, but he he was the founder of girls' basketball at um, Ballard. I mean, he had quite the run, and uh, Merle's still a friend today. Um, and, and so played baseball under Merle, um, was uh, a track runner, actually. 1994, you can look this up, Brian. 1994 state champs, Ballard Huxley. And you'll find that McLaughlin name in there running some 800s and some 400s. Wow. Uh, and uh, it's so when I tell kids, hey, I got a state championship, they're like, you guys were state champs in basketball? No, we weren't. No. <laughs> I got that track. So, uh, Blue Oval. So, yeah, yeah. got that track championship. And then we made it to state in 94. And um, in basketball, uh, we lost a Unity Christian. Uh, they went on to be the state champs. That was two-way back then. So Ballard's grown quite a bit. They got over, I would guess, 200 and some kids. In a grade, I graduated with 56, so quite a bit smaller than Algona at that time. Um, and then uh, was a football player, too, and football really wasn't my thing. It was just something in a small school that you did. Um, so as a sophomore, junior, senior was a starter, but you just kind of did it. I, I'll never forget my football coaches uh, with the connection of how close to Ames. I'd go up to Ames almost every night and just go play some pickup games. And my coaches would say, hey, you can't do that during the week. I'm like, I have to do this. And I think, yeah. Brian, you can relate to that. It's like, man, if I could get a ball in my hands and there were people playing, I'm going. Um, I'm going. And um, Huxley was a great place for hoops. Uh, Sunday nights, they had an outdoor court and you had to wait to get on the court and you stayed on the court if you won. And uh, that's where I learned, kind of kind of cut my teeth, I guess you could say that this, I'm hooked. And so moving to Huxley was the best thing I think my family ever did for me as kind of a, a guy who's going to be a hoop junkie the rest of my life. It's, it's funny you say that, too, because a couple guys um, that I taught with when I was over at Madrid, um, you know, you, Ballard is obviously real close and known a lot of people. And everyone that I've known or met, maybe it's outside of teaching, it's been through coaching and basketball, but they're all hoop heads. Like everybody that I know from Huxley is just just loves the game. Uh, I think those guys still go and play like some Sunday pickups and open gyms. Yeah. And like it's it's crazy how that community just really rallies around their basketball. They do, and you've seen their success uh, in the last few years at the state tournament this past year. Uh, and the Herman kid is a really good player for them right now. I coached his dad. 
Uh, there's a Wilson kid that went through. I played with his dad and, and his uncle. And so you kind of the Eiley family right now. There was a, a young lady, the Eiley girl, played in the state tournament for him. Her dad's a friend of mine. So you're seeing this turnover that are kind of my generation. Their kids are coming through right now. And it's fun to watch that. But uh, Huxley's a, a great place if you, if you like hoops. And uh, um, there's so much opportunity around you there, too, with the Des Moines area. And just there's, it's a great place uh, to learn the game when, when you're young. And, and uh, it kind of made me who I am, I guess. Nice, nice facilities too. Uh, nice gym. We like uh, attack. will use that as a little overflow facility. Yeah. And so we've played uh, several games at the sixth, seventh grade girls level. So it's a lot of fun to go there. It's a beautiful facility. That's not the gym that I care for there. The one I like is the one when you walked in and you're the opposing team, the band is on you. You look over and you see coach Schaefer's red coat and his red face. And you think, how are we ever going to play here? And that's, that's how I remember it. Uh, so I'll tell you a quick story. My daughters would go to the Ballard Huxley camp when they were in elementary uh, every summer, they'd go down there, go to the girls camp and they're standing there. And coach Schaefer has this plaque on the wall and in the it's what's now is the middle school. That's the gym I played in. And it says coach Schaefer uh, on the floor. Now they named the floor after him in the gym. And there was a young lady from Huxley staring at that plaque. And my daughter came up and she's trying to read that plaque. And she says, and my daughter goes, you know, this is an Algona kid. My daughter says it's Schaefer. <laughs> and so uh my family knows the area well my daughters have kind of grown up in that same mentality they know the stories um you know i've got three siblings too i got a brother that's a, an administrator over by cedar rapids and a couple daughters or a couple sisters one that played in the state tournament a couple times as well in basketball so uh, my daughters are being raised i guess in the same way and we're trying to do things in algona i guess the same way we're trying to create that feel for hoops that this is something you can do for the rest of your life. Um, a, a quick story. One of my first years teaching, I had a girl in, in Clarion. I wasn't the girls coach, but fifth grader. And she went home and she said, mom and dad, I can get money to go to college and play basketball. My teacher just taught me that. She ended up going to Warburg and playing. Michelle Voigt uh, played there and uh, her dad still drives bus. And she, she says, Hey, Mr. McLaughlin taught me to have my love for basketball. Now she's got kids and, and leading them. So that's kind of what, what I'm about trying to create that love because uh, it was done for me. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, obviously a great sport to boot. So kind of easy to create that love when you get the, when you get the buy-in. So that's a, uh, those, those are some really good stories, coach. Like those, like those. Um, well, Hey, uh, you mentioned when you got your, when you got your start coaching, um, when did, the itch hit you when did when did in your mind you thought yeah I want to be a coach well I can tell you the exact time I, uh, we were pretty um, pretty talented at Southwestern that year uh, Bill Taylor uh, was my coach for for uh, that year Bill was uh, an excellent coach Crestive native Creston native I think actually diagonal there's some roots in diagonal I've got some some ties there too uh, some history down in that town but uh, Bill Taylor always won 20 some games every year and uh, I was sitting on the bench. We had five Division One players on our team, and we had two Division Two players. And, and I'm this slow six-three point guard from Huxley who thinks he's pretty good because he played in the state tournament in Class Two A. And I couldn't hold a candle to these guys. And I'm sitting there. And my roommate was a six-nine kid, Joe Hayworth. He went up and played at Southwest State uh, up in Marshall. Six-nine kid from uh, Altoona, big kid. And uh, he was my roommate. He's sitting there and I tell him what to do differently. As I sat the bench, I thought I knew everything. And he turned to me and he said, Noel, he goes, why don't you just become a coach? Stop playing. <laughs> now, I don't know how I should take that uh, as 
hey, you're, you're not good enough or, or hey, you kind of know this game. But either way, I, I'm glad he kind of said that. And so as a kid, you struggle with not being that big fish anymore. And uh, I took that more as an opportunity versus, hey, I'm going to dwell on this. So I felt fortunate, even though I wasn't getting to play at that level, I felt fortunate to be around, you know, great players from different areas and really started to shape my, how I looked at the game. I looked at the game much more uh, from a perspective of from the sideline, because uh, it is different than when you're on the court. And so I feel pretty lucky to be around some pretty good players, some pretty good coaches. And I wasn't always just on the court. Um, I got to see it from, from outside of that as well. Interesting, uh, interesting perspective. And uh, you kind of, kind of made me think some of these kids these days uh, would have that perspective instead of just getting out of town and trying to find somewhere else to play. Well, I always say a kid should referee as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, a player should sure. referee. They, they see a different perspective of the game. Um, you know, you want every call to go your way. Uh, you're not always happy with the referee. You know, our kids should learn how to referee a little bit just as a, yeah. a, a learning point to see different. And, and I guess I'm speaking from my experiences led me to where I am now. And, and I'm, I'm very fortunate for that. Yeah, I com completely agree because, yes, I have the little games that I've officialed. It 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 does give you a different perspective, which, you know, helps you helps you play, you know, helps you kind of realize what what is all going on around you. Um, Absolutely. Which is, like you said, a different perspective. But uh, well, you also mentioned a couple coaches that you played under, coached with. How do you think? I guess a couple of ways that they kind of shape your coaching style um, or your, your, your coaching perspective. Well, I, I look at myself as, and if you're around me in a, a season, um, I'm constantly trying to learn. Um, when I was a kid, I, when I, I say kid, but a college kid and getting into coaching, man, I think I worked so many camps. It was ridiculous. I, I used to work the Iowa camp. I think I went 10 years in a row and that's a lot on your body, by the way, I went down and worked, uh, at Kansas, at KU. Fred Hoiber used to have a small camp. I worked for him for a few years. I met Reggie Miller. Uh, just to me, I just wanted to learn as much as I could. I wanted to be around all these people that had, had done that. Um, and so, you know, Coach Schaefer was instrumental in pieces to this just because he got, he got me going. But um, when I got out there and saw, you know, there's so many different styles, I just started grabbing everything I could get. I was that, that young guy that would go to a clinic and take notes, not because I'm going to go use everything, just because I was amazed at, at how much was out there, not just Ballard Huxley. So to me, it was like over, overflow, overload. Uh, and I've never really stopped that. And, you know, this past year switching to the girls, I will tell anybody that will listen to me, man, I am learning so much. I know it's my second run in girls basketball, but, but the first one really didn't count. When you're a young man, you don't know anything. Um, and uh, you don't know that. Uh, but now it's just like I'm relearning. Even as a father of three daughters, I'm a school counselor as well. I think that gives me the patience I need. Um, but every stop I've been or, you know, even coaches I've coached against, I, I would say one of the biggest, and this isn't even a guy I've worked with, but Adolf Kokendorfer down at St. Ed's, uh, if you know anything about outgoing to basketball boys, the last 16 years, we played defense. And to me, I looked at when we got in the league and said, man, St. Ed's, they're winning championships. They've got great players. 
uh, they play hard. And so we tried to steal that mentality and everybody can play hard, but you just got to have that piece. So we, we kind of made that our staple and, you know, we would just tell our players, I promise you, we're going to play defense. And that's how we adapted our practices. That's, that's what we did. And really Adolf doesn't even know that, but I modeled that off of, man, I'm looking at this guy every year and obviously he has great players too. And, and I've gotten to know a lot of them over the, the years, Nick Clark being one, he's worked my camps, but I always tell him, man, you guys just, just played so hard. You had to, um, cause Adolf would climb down your throat if you didn't. And, um, they also have great scorers. I was going to uh, say, they've, they've won a lot of games playing yeah. really great defense and having at least one top-end score. Um, you know, they've been doing that for 20 years. I'm going to tell a quick story about Nick Clark because he scored 39 on us his senior year in our gym, and nobody's ever scored 39 on me. But I said to Nick, I said, Nick, that was amazing. That was great. He'd come up to our open gym. Sam Lips played for me and was a, a college teammate of Nick Clark over at BV. And he said, Coach McLaughlin, you know, I love what you do at your program. You guys work hard. He said, you know the difference between St. Ed's and Algona? And I said, what's that, Nick? And he said, you don't have me. <laughs> That's yeah, I, I love that confidence. I do. And, and great players that, again, it goes to when I see that or I hear that, I'm stealing that. I'm trying to make my own daughters, my own players have that confidence. So I guess I'm a – I steal, grab, borrow everything I can get from anyone who's successful or not successful just to, uh, you know, and that's what keeps me going um, and keeps me learning. Yeah. Um, you know, we actually talk about it all the time here that, you know, the game of basketball, even just over the last five or 10 years has changed so much. Um, you know, you change a couple of things. And even if you're not open to change, I mean, you're going to get left behind. Um, however, there's, there's, there's gotta be a pillar that you kind of stand on. Um, and it sounds like, sounds like it's defense. Yeah, that's been our staple. Um, we haven't been blessed with big men in Algona, not since, uh, Brian, maybe, uh, Simonson. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you call him a big man. I was going to say, yeah, he, he, he wanted to be a perimeter man. That may have been the problem there. Yeah. That was before my time, but we haven't been blessed with, with a true post player. Uh, I had the Cole Banwer. He's uh, on an NFL roster right now, but he was 6'4", 240 at that time. So he was a big kid for me and a good basketball player, an all-conference player. We've had really good athletes. Um, I, but, you know, I look at I've got a kid playing. Wyatt Wagner's playing football at Iowa right now. Um, you know, I've had the two Collison boys who had some success in baseball. One won a national championship at Augustana. Um, so I had, you know, the two Collisons, their uncle played in the NBA. They didn't. <laughs> they chose baseball. Uh, so we've had great athletes. Um, we just haven't had that those scores, you know, somebody that's going to get 25 every night. And so the staple, if you're in Algona, you've got to play defense. Uh, you got to you got to have a balanced attack um, on offense. And that's what we've done. you got to share the ball. Um, and so we've had a lot of success. It took a little time, took a couple of years. Um, but as long as we play defense, uh, we were going to be in the game and, and uh you know, our last couple of years, we're winning 16, 17 ball games a year. We had Luke Tierhark, who played down at Truman uh, in the last couple of years, um, finished up, you know, during COVID. Uh, Luke was a great basketball player. Uh, Sam Lips, a left-handed kid that played at BV, great basketball player, uh, but needed to learn how to play defense. And as soon as those kids did, that's when they really became good players for us. So, um, yeah, defense has just kind of been the one thing. Uh, as I look at teams like St. Ed's, and I'll just kind of point it out, 
that's that's where that came from. If we're going to compete in the North Central Conference for championships or being in the top two or three every year, we're going to have to defend, and that's what we've done. Yeah. Um, who would you say, Coach, that your, uh, your coaching style, um, I guess, is most like in the NCAA? Oh, boy. Some people would say <laughs> Dick Bennett or something like that. I mean, it's, you know, I don't yeah. know. Uh, in it, it changes so much. And I think you talked about this, Adam, Adam it's like, if you're not going to change, you're going to get passed by. And there are times where I'll play and I don't play any zone. I don't play zone unless, you know, you absolutely have to in a situation. So our man defense is just fundamental. Uh, we got gap help. Um, we're going to rebound the ball and we're going to keep the, you know, make it hard on you. We're not going to give you any looks. Um, we're going to force somebody else to beat us. Uh, but then I'm not afraid to, you know, Casey Slaughter went through the conference and uh, I think he hates me because about every time we played him, he'd have like seven points, five points, foul out. We'd put three or four guys on him and make somebody else shoot it. And he wanted to shoot. And to me, you know, it's, it's not that hard to figure out that good players want to shoot. That's, that's pretty simple, especially at that level. So we're not going to let good players shoot. And so uh, there's frustration involved in that. So I guess to me, you know, it's just evolved with the game, with the opponent being prepared and, and not being afraid to take, take away what they want to do. There's a lot of people who say, Hey, if he's going to get his points. We're going to stop everybody else. I, I don't believe in that. I believe take him away, make somebody else get those points. Uh, and we've been pretty successful with that. That's uh, that's truly spoken from coach K down saying that I hated playing those guys. I always got I some sort of defensive scheme that got thrown at me every time we played them. So. Every time. And, and struggle not play at St. Ed's. They take you away and you're just frustrated and they are in your grill and, and, you know, maybe they're throwing two guys at you force them left, force them left. And, and I don't do that too much, but uh, just play hard, you know? And, and when things wouldn't go our way, I mentioned Nick Clark got 39 on us. The bus kid from Charles City had a big game. I think he had 36 on us one year. Chad Rutledge is the best defender I've ever had. It's a 6'5 kid. He ran it at UNI. Uh, you know, he's our record holding the 800 state champion in, in track. Chad said, Rutledge comes over. He goes, Coach, what do I do? He's hitting shots in my grill. And, and everybody that knows that followed bus at UNI and professionally that I said, hey, man, you got a front row seat. You just tip your cap. This kid is playing lights out. And sometimes that's just how it goes. If you run into a good player and you're not going to stop him. Those, uh, those Clark kids had no problems. I played against Zach. So his older yeah, brother, uh, yeah. they yeah. had, they had no problems filling it up. You give them a no. constant green light. That's for sure. No, even with I Coach think Zach Kent. was their leading scorer. Yep. And then got passed, I think, right? His brother. Those Sorry. Clark kids never saw a shot. They, they wouldn't take or didn't like. Yeah, they uh, they had no problem scoring. And, and like I said, I think they had the ultimate green light and uh, put together some nice little careers, uh, both in um, the NCC and then they both went on to play in, in the Iowa Conference as well and have nice careers. And so um, you, you spoke it, obviously, tons of talent um, that's come through the conference, uh, a lot of really good basketball players dating all the way back, you know, obviously, even the days in Nick Collison walking around in the, in the conference was, was something special. And so, um, so, so with that coach, I, I do want to ask um, when you took the job at Algona, obviously you had some experience, you'd kind of bounced around, gone back and forth between the boys and the girls, uh, got the job, got the head, head boys job at Algona. What was the first mission? What was the first goal um, after getting that phone call 
uh, what was next? Were you like, okay, summer league, okay, got to start to get to know the players. What, what was your first mission after, after receiving that call 16, well, what, almost 17 years ago now? Yeah, you know, the first thing, you know, I did is I got up there and met my team. And I, I always jump in there and do my research. What do they got? Talk to the right people. Um, and we had five seniors, Brian. And as the season started, um, all five of them quit before our first game. And that was, you know, the class, it would have been like Drew Moss's senior class. And they said, coach, nothing against you. We're just not basketball players. And they all came in one by one and said, we love you. Good luck. Um, and we won one game that year. We banked a shot in against Hampton in overtime and they rushed the court. Chad Allers was my assistant and he's jumping up and down and I'm just standing there, not happy. And he says, what's wrong? I said, this has got to change. This is, this is not what we're dreaming about, man. A bank shot. Uh, as we stormed the court for one win. And uh, so the first mission was was changing the culture a little bit. They'd won four games the year before. We won one that year. And it was it was making basketball a priority. It was turning kids into basketball players, future coaches, future players. It was making basketball part of their life. And we didn't have that right away. And so the next year, we won eight games. And then I think we won 12 games and then I think we won 15 games. And so it was a, a step in, and we were playing some young kids, you know, we were playing Ted Nearson and Josh Buick and uh, Andy Benkendorf. Uh, I'll never forget that those kids, Ryan Brandt was a really good player for us those first few years, but I mean, he was a sophomore he wasn't ready to play in a really good conference at that time. St. Ed's was rolling. Uh, Iowa Falls was still, you know, kind of the trail end of the Nick Collison era. I mean, there were there some good players in the league. Webster City had, had players, and it wasn't us. Um, and so the first mission was to turn us into, we've got guys that want to play, and we've got guys that want to be better. And then you got to get more of them. You, got, you can't have just one or two. You've got to get more of them. And I've always believed if you do that, and you got to win at all levels. You've got to get your younger kids playing, and we've done that as well, reach out to parents. I'm not one that likes the, okay, we're good this year. We're low this year. We're good this year. We're low this year. I, I want to stay good. And so you do that by developing your young kids. We've always had a basketball camp. We just finished our first girls uh, summer camp. We had 68 girls. Uh, that's, that's great numbers for us. Um, uh, I reach out to those parents and say, you have to have a third grade team. My daughter was in third grade this year. We played fourth grade all over the place. And so we had 12 girls that we played. You've got to get your kids playing. And uh, that's what our summer at the high school level has been too. Uh, we play, try and play as much as we can. In the month of June, we, we played 19 times uh, this past June, um, something, whether it was a workout, whether it was a scrimmage, but 19 times in June. And that's still working around. I, I firmly believe in softball players, multi-sport athletes, um, but in your downtime, let's pick up a ball and let's, let's, let's get better. Well, and you mentioned it, uh, obviously 3A school, um, but so many multi-sport athletes. So how big is it for you and the other coaches to share your athletes and understand that, hey, you know, if we work together, it's, it's going to move this whole cog together? Well, in a, we're still what I would consider a small district, um, but tournament time, you know, we can go play Ballard, we can go play uh, larger schools, um, Spencer, who, who, what, whatever it be, but we got to share our athletes. Um, the day of the four sport athlete is, is really tougher to find. Um, you do find it in some cases, uh, but really in Algona, a three sport athlete, a two sport athlete is pretty much what you're going to find. Um, and 
Todd Van Otterloos, a softball coach at Algona right now. He's been there for a couple of years and had some success. Todd's been my assistant on the boys' side. He also has three daughters that are friends with my three daughters, same grade. So Todd has jumped over the girls a year before I did. Uh, he's my assistant again. So um, we get along great. We have a new volleyball coach as of last year, a uh, younger coach. Um, and so, you know, I've gotten to know her and, and just making sure we're on the same page. I always did that with the boys' side. Rich Collison was our longtime baseball coach. So Rich and I, uh, he reached out to me. I'll never forget. I, I just got the job and Rich gave me this long email. It's like, I'm Rich Collison. Yes, Nick Collison's my, my nephew. He's in the NBA. And anyway, we've hit it off since then. But working together is extremely important. Uh, we want to share our athletes. We want success to drive success. We want our kids to have a mindset uh, of the, the right culture. And um, that's what we're trying to build this summer a little bit in the shift to the girls as we kind of hit a, a little bit of a drop in the last year compared to where Algona girls basketball has been. Uh, so it's time to kind of turn that back around. And that's where I'm at right now. Well, and it's uh, no accident when you start looking at some of the teams that make the state tournament and they're in the state tournament in three sports and two sports. I mean, it, it isn't just a one sport. You know, it's not like a college level where, yeah, they're just really good at basketball, really good at football. I mean, there's a reason why at the high school level you see the same programs that constantly make it. And, oh, by the way, they're also really good at softball or they're good at baseball yeah, or they're you, good at football because you get the athletes and you get the buy-in and you get the commitment. Harlan right now is it's been a staple and you can go around and say lots of different schools right now for girls uh, in the NCC it's Clear Lake and uh, they just got really good athletes they got a good culture um, and so they're used to winning and um, that's what we're trying to do with our girls right now and obviously I'm invested as a, a father but also I haven't been here long enough I care about our girls and their experience that they get um, and, and really that's kind of the reason why I made that switch is, is I saw hey we, we've got a little bit of a drop off here uh, in our athletes. And, and like I said earlier, I, that's something I think we got to keep constant and there's a way to do that. And that's what we're kind of trying to get going right now. Well, since you brought it up again, I got to ask, so hot on the switch. Uh, I know that it was something that you were thinking, but uh, did it happen a little faster than maybe your schedule had? <laughs> yeah. You know, you, the switch, I like how we can, we can kind of name it the switch <laughs> and you know, it, it's, it's common. I think there are a lot of guys that have done that, but most of them are like, like I talked to Coach Schaefer's wife. She sent me a message. She said, Coach Schaefer, oh, man, he would be he would be rolling saying, oh, you went over to the dark side. <laughs> but when you're a dad of three daughters, though, you know, it, it kind of started in my last couple of years with the boys. Some of the young girls that were middle schoolers or freshmen were already kind of working out in our individual workouts with us. Uh, and they said, hey, can we come in and work out, Coach? And my daughters were already there as well. And so you know, if we're in a gym and somebody says, can I work out with you? That's a no brainer. And so, you know, it was already kind of moving that direction. I was coaching some lower level girls basketball. Um, my assistant on the boys side was Jared Cecil. He had been coaching some, he has a daughter as well. Uh, and then Mike Ford was the, the boys coach. And Mike said, you know what coach, he had five seniors that were graduating that had a lot of success. Uh, and it was March of COVID and I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to step down. I've been here 16 years. It'd been 24 years as a, as a basketball coach. I was missing a lot of stuff with my daughters. And I knew I'm not done forever. I'm just done right now. And uh, I, needed, I needed a break. COVID was just hitting. We'd come off 
a really good season, 16 wins. We had the Wagner kid who's playing at football at, at Iowa. I had Colin Blake was an outstanding player for three years for me. Um, Jason Cecil, uh, Coach Cecil's son, uh, 6'4 point guard. I mean, we were really good. Uh, but sometimes those seasons really wear on you too. And I, I knew about January, this is it. And it was kind of an emotional time for me. And Brian, my last game coaching on the boys' side was an overtime loss. I'm telling you, the, the roof blew off this place when uh, we hit a corner three in overtime. Uh, the Mansky kid, uh, they answered back, uh, the Drew kid from Ballard. But we're playing Ballard, my high school. And at one time in my life, my dream job, uh, at one time when I was young, and you couldn't write it a better way of my final game at Algona as the boys coach is an overtime. Uh, you know, my, my buddy, Sam Weeks is an assistant there. We grew up together. We played basketball together. Um, had a couple coaches that were Ballard. Uh, Chris Deason was in attendance. Uh, just an emotional night for me. And a lot of people didn't understand why it was so emotional. My family knew uh, the Ballard people that were connected knew my family was there. Um, and it was just like a perfect script for me. I knew I wasn't done coaching. I just knew I was done coaching boys right now and uh, felt good because I knew I'm going to be around my daughters, but man, I felt like something was missing a little. So we're, we're going into March. I get the call from Mike Ford and he said, Hey, you're up. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, I just turned in my resignation and we're at home. We're not going to school. And I said, what, why, why? So my wife's listening to this. We're all you know, at home in the, the house together and she could tell what was going on. She started crying. <laughs> she she back knew. To coach's wife. Yeah, she knew I wanted a year off just to volunteer, maybe a couple of years. I was going to be around it. Uh, but then my daughters started cheering. They were jumping up and down. And they said, you were going to do it anyway. And, <laughs> and it was the best thing ever, Brian. Uh, and this last year, uh, my daughter was in eighth grade. So I got to know the team before she gets up here. Uh, and I had a blast. It was like, like, like it was a calling. It was like the right thing at the right time. And so um, I'm really excited where we're at right now. Well, that's great. No, that's awesome. I, like I said, when I heard the news um, in, in the sequence, I didn't know the full story, but I was like, I feel like that maybe happened a little quicker than everyone yeah. was anticipating. So it's cool to hear the actual story with it. But uh, so what's the biggest difference then so far early, but you've coached girls before. Biggest difference um, between coaching girls and coaching boys. Like I, I continue to say, I learned so much as we go. But the big thing, Brian, that I've learned is everything is so they're very coachable. Our players are really coachable, but everything is so like slow it down a little bit. It's not that you can't treat them the same. You just have to slow it down and show. You have to show more versus boys just kind of go and do it. Um, you know, any gym that you go to, if I lay a ball in the middle of the gym and you put 10, 10 boys in there, you know what's going to happen. They're going to play a pick. No. And so oh, I've got to. All right. Sorry. Start teach. again. Start again. You cut out. So start with the, the, the pickup game because that's perfect. You know, with boys, you put a ball in the middle of the floor, 10 boys will grab that ball and start playing a pickup game. You don't even have to teach them what to do. They're going to go. You put a ball in the middle of a gym with 10 girls, they're going to stand around that ball and talk to each other. And the ball's going to stay on that floor. And so that's a big difference. You just have to show them when the ball's on the floor, someone picks up the ball. Now you shoot for teams. Now you play to a score. You have to teach them so much of what maybe the boys just did. And that's different in their DNA. That's uh, so you can get there. 
and we are getting there, but you just have to slow it down a little bit. Uh, and that's where my wife doesn't give me any coaching advice, but she does give me advice with how to, how to work with, with females, how to work with my players, my daughters too. Uh, so um, that's where I continue to learn and you slow it down a little bit, but hold the expectation there. Uh, and we've got, a, we've got things going in the right direction. Yeah, I 100% agree. I've always, people often ask too, with me coaching on the girl side, I said, they're more coachable because uh, they don't try to imitate the stuff they see on TV. It's like a blank slate. And once they know why you're doing it, they'll run through a wall for you. And so it is a lot of fun. And I agree with the uh, uh, relying on your wife. Um, I always had women assistants as well, uh, which is huge. Um, being able to be like, Hey, hey, what's going on here? It's stuff that I don't understand. Yep, yep. Um, that was always, always a blessing too. But, uh, I agree there, they're a lot of fun. And like you said, I know you have a little invested interest, um, moving forward here in the next couple of years, but, uh, yeah, super, super excited to see, um, what happens, but, uh, so specifically then, with the girls and even with the boys, especially high school, like you said, it doesn't matter where you're at. It kind of, um, it seems like the mental side of the game, um, the IQ, the kind of intangible things um, are, are oftentimes the hardest to coach. And a lot of times the biggest difference between winning and losing. So are there any things that you've found uh, in your 20 plus years of coaching to kind of help with the mental side and, and the basketball IQ that you're able to do in practice to help these players? You know, I think every coach is trying to find that out because you're absolutely right. It's the difference. You know, the X's and O's, we all have them. You know, you do this, you do that. You, you play defense, you run a press. Um, it's the coaches that can create a culture, the coaches that can get that trust, uh, the coaches that can make their players do something that, that probably aren't possible. I'll never forget telling Sam Lips I wasn't going to play him until he did this and this. He said, coach, that's not possible. I can't be in two places at once. I said, well, until you make it possible, you're not going to be that player. And you got to make kids believe uh, the impossible is possible. And that's something I guess comes with rapport. And that's something I've been able to do. Um, just, just the kind of guy I am, I guess. Um, Chris Larson always taught me, you know, some people just kind of have this or they don't. And I'm like, what's this, this, Chris? And he's like, that's the thing. It's, you can't really explain it. You just have to be able to get kids to believe that they can do it. Um, and when you can get them to play like that, now you got yourself a program. And that's what we've tried to do at Algona is, is believe uh, in themselves, believe in our coaches, believe in each other. Um, and that's we're, we're always trying. Summer is so important. Um, the season's so important. Uh, and, and we're just always trying to build that, Brian. And, and uh, this summer has been a, a good example of that, just getting together a lot in June. Um, it's not that we're, you know, busting our butts for an hour. It's just we're in there and we're building that, that culture. Um, the weight room, you know, trying to teach them that that's part of our culture. Uh, that being on the softball team, or if you're not being there to cheer for them, that's part of that culture. And uh, just that belief system in each other. And we were able to do that with our boys. Um, and now we're doing that with the girls. I think consistency is such a big part of that too. And I, with my daughter going to be an eighth grader too, it's like, Hey, you don't have to go out there in the driveway and shoot for an hour every day, but let's go out every day and shoot for 10 minutes, shoot for 15 minutes. As long as you do it every day, like you are getting better than, Oh, I haven't been out there for two weeks. I'm going to go put an hour in, you know? And so the consistency is just huge. It is. And it, it starts, you got to have your why as a coach, we got to have our why, why do I do this? I do this because I feel our kids deserve the best experience possible. That's my why. And if I know how to give them a good experience, then, then I have to, I have to coach them. And 
as a player, you got to find out your why too, and then stick to it. But you got to be reminded of that why also, and that's my job. And, yeah. And uh, so we're doing that with our girls, and and uh, we're seeing improvements, and we're seeing the girls become uh, more confident in who they are. I think uh, probably then part B of that is going to be competitiveness and something that, again, it's hard to teach. It's kind of either you kind of got it or you don't, but there are ways that we can foster that as coaches. What, what do you like to do in practice to try to instill a little bit more competitiveness in your players? Well, that's something as a coach, you learn that too, as, as you go along, you know, even we, we had our last middle school workout yesterday with our, our young kids. We had 10 kids in there and just like, you're going to do a shooting drill and maybe, okay, you got three minutes on the clock, but, if you complete your shooting drill first, you, you win and just little things. So you got six kids shooting at one time and, and the first time through, they're just trying to figure out how to do it. It's that okay, teach them first. They're trying to do it right. They want to please you. Then by the time they're on their second round, it's like, Hey, I want to win. And the kid that nails it, she beat the record with her time and she got her shots in and the other kids say, Hey, do we go one more time? I want another shot at this. We like to end our practice at something at Iowa camp points on the board. You know, you make a three, you put a point on the board, you miss it, you add a point, you don't want points. We do that at the end of all of our summer workouts and I get to play and uh, they get mad if I win. Uh, so they try and beat you. And so there you're building that rapport, but at the same time, you're building that competitiveness too. And if you want to win, get better at shooting. And so it's that simple. Uh, so there's, there's things you can do. And then I've always believed in playing at young level, um, playing in the summer, our ninth graders, our JV, whatever it is, let's get some games under some experiences under our belt, the speed of the game, the change of how the game is played from, from level to level. There's only one way to replicate that. That's go play and go play good teams. We've always tried to beef up our schedule uh, in the summer. Let's go play teams and learn from those teams that do it right. And so there's a couple of things that I believe in that we've kind of tried to do. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And like you said, keeping score and making it fun is what really brings out the competitiveness. And so, all right, coach, so if we had some time machine that we could go all the way back to those clarion days when, uh, when you got that job, what would, uh, what would the now seasoned experienced head coach give to uh, your, your um, as far as for advice to you as, as a clarion coach? You know, I'd tell young coaches, uh, one, you don't know half of what you think you do. You really don't and uh, be patient. And I would tell a young coach as well, you know, being an assistant coach, and you don't see this very often, Brian, but being an assistant coach is so valuable. Find somebody that, that you respect, somebody that does it the right way and learn. And I'm, it's not just the X's and O's. It's not find that coach that you see winning and find out how he's winning, find out or how she's winning. Uh, what are they doing that make, make them good every year? And, you know, I'm not trying to talk up Chris Larson uh, because he it'll go to his head really fast. Uh, but Chris has found a way to do it. He's not always the most popular to the officials, but to his players, he's found a way. And, and sitting with him on the bench and day in and day out. In fact, I was just with him last weekend and his family. Um, that was the best thing that, that I could have done at that point in my career is take a step back, be under a coach that's doing it, that's been there, soak it up and then be patient and find the one that fits you. And that's what I did help uh, that Chris kind of let me see that that's what I needed to do at that time. And Algona was the right fit for me. 
That's great. And obviously, uh, Algona is very thankful that that fit worked out because you've done some great things. And um, I'll, I'll second your tune as far as like learning, um, going from having good players to not as good players, being uh, an assistant, you know, all those things. It's, it's crazy how much you can learn. Um, I, I've had the privilege of doing a lot of head coach experience this year. This past year has been really my first true assistant position with some seventh grade girls basketball action. Yeah. And I tell you what, you learn a lot from having to kind of sit over on the bench and keep track of fouls and timeouts and all that stuff that, you know, as a head coach, you, you kind of lean on your assistants to do. And so, yeah, there's always, always something to be learned uh, and to take from each experience. And so that's great. We, that we appreciate it. That, that, that's good insight for all of our young coaches that are listening. It is. It is. And just being patient and don't dive in until you're ready, man. And uh, if you do, you're still going to learn from the guys around you, you know, the guys you play against. Um, but, uh, you know, it's more than just the X's and O's and keep learning. Yeah, some great stuff, like Brian said. Um, and hopefully, you know, all the coaches that listen to our podcast can, can you know, listen and, you know, take some of that into their, uh, you know, into their coaching careers as well. So thank you for that, coach. Um, well, as you probably know, um, we like to end our podcast with a little section called Rapid Fire, um, where Brian's going to hit with a couple questions. Got some about hoops in here, some not necessarily about hoops, um, and you just let us know what comes to mind. All right. All right. All right, Coach. Here we go. First of all, I always lead with, what's uh, your favorite visiting gym or arena you've had an opportunity to coach in? Uh, Webster City right now. Webster yeah, City's yeah. like Taj Mahal. Uh, it's no longer <laughs> Jeff Jim. Uh, they built a brand new multi-million dollar place. It's more like a home away from home. It makes you feel good. Now, Brian's going, how can you say that? Because Jeff yeah. Jim was the worst experience ever. Now they treat us good. And yeah. it's, it's much easier to go there on the road and say, hey, we're, we're going to win tonight. And uh, it used to be, man, we got to play in Jeff Jim and they can't hear coach. This, is a, this place is nuts, man. So Jeff that's Jim changed. Was, uh, it's it's yeah, a nice yeah. place right now. Jeff Jim was no joke. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I guess maybe, maybe I knew that they moved out of there, but I'm kind of disappointed to hear that. Uh, that was, that that like you said, that gym is uh, one of the loudest high school gyms I, I've ever been in, for sure. By far. Uh, two years ago, they played St. Ed's as a throwback game uh, in Jeff Jim, and they packed the place. It was always packed. And that balcony, um, one of my first years at, at um, Algona, I went up to their AD Coach Howard, the football coach, I said, hey, that door's locked to the balcony. we got to get my manager up there to, to videotape. And he looked at me and said, yeah, it's locked. And that's all he said. <laughs> so you never got treated real good at Jeff Jim. It was like, you're the visitor, and we're going to beat you tonight. And uh, uh, now they treat you, hey, here's this great locker room. Here's these great facilities. And you're like, this is pretty nice. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, I Jeff Jim, I, I think my senior year um, – we had to go to Jeff Jim twice in a week. So we played him last oh. game of the season, turned around and played him first game uh, in the playoffs with the Jared Jostin led team. And that Just, place was, oh that place was wild. And I tell you what, yeah, it was, it was something else. I tell you that you couldn't even hear yourself. think. Man. You couldn't hear. And, and on top oh. of it, you know, high school kids, you cram us in a bus for two hours to get down there and that's what you get welcomed. So it's uh, that was definitely an experience one way or another. All right, Coach, uh, tough one here for you. You're going to put you on the spot a little bit. Um, who's the best shooter in the Tierhark family? Laura. <laughs> she, she is. And uh, Luke played for me. 
those of you that don't know much about the Tierhart family, that is a competitive family. Uh, Todd, their dad. Yeah, Todd might have something to say about that too. He'll, he's competitive enough. He wants to get in uh, on that. He's a lefty though. And he, you know, his shot's a little funky. Uh, he probably shoots as much as anybody, but Luke Tierhart's the most dedicated basketball player and, and Landon Rash is right up there with him. Landon's going to be mad that I said that, but Luke Tierhart's the most dedicated uh, basketball player I've ever coached. Um, every day of his life, he was out there. If it was, and you mentioned that with your daughter, it was his routine. He couldn't let a day go by without a workout, getting a ball in his hands. And, uh, you know, he's a good, good uh, friend of mine now. He's like a son to me, um, but I'm going to still go with Laura. I mean, that yeah. girl can fill it up. And I'm going to tell you something. I watched her as a freshman and I tell my players this. She took over 23 pointers as a freshman at Iowa Falls, over 23s. Now, Brian, I know you like to shoot, but I don't ever know if you mm. ever shot over 20 in a game. No. And this girl had to have a sore arm, but she just kept shooting, led the state her freshman year in three pointers made. Um, that girl could shoot. She could. I, I remember back even when I was in school, my junior, senior year, her and I, she was like a fourth grader. We were shooting at the, doing the same drills at the Y together. So yeah. and I was never surprised by uh, what she was able to do, but that's uh, probably the answer I would have gone with too. And Luke, I know you listened to the pod, so we're sorry, but uh, yeah, you, you know, your sister can <laughs> fill it up. So, yeah. um, all right. Uh, favorite sports movie. Uh, Hoosiers all the way. Yeah. Losers all the way. I, I used to, when, when I was a player, I watched it before the night before, you know, it just, it's that small school, that underdog role. And uh, I've been in enough roles of that underdog role that uh, it's kind of what we go by. It's okay to be the underdog, but you still got to have that same killer mentality. Let's go. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Michael Jordan. Easy answer, right? The answer. And I love during quarantine that we got the last dance. I loved I, it. That, it. It saved all of us sports junkies. It saved us. Once again, MJ saved us. Yes, he did. I would agree with that 100%. All right, uh, Coach Hat on. You're up three um, with four seconds to go. The other team has the ball. Do you foul? I don't. Coach Van Otterloo sits next to me for 16 years, and he just shakes his head. Uh, I've seen the, the bad side of that. Uh, I got a, a Forest City story where you can lose. Uh, I don't foul. It's just what I, I've stuck with um, because to me, if you play defense and then make it, you're going to overtime. It's just a heartbreaker when you lose it and foul. And I know there's a lot of people that are fouling right now. Um, I've never had a big man that's going to secure that rebound for me, though, either. Um, that uh, I would tell that to my assistant. Hey, you give me two six nine guys on the blocks I'll probably start fouling because right. I know I'm going to get the rebound but you miss it on purpose they kick it out you lose the game and I'm like what are we doing so right. anyway no I, I've always just played it out I love it um best pizza in Algona um premiere yeah that I'm going premiere had it last week that's a layup right there that might be that's, yeah, that's 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 uh yeah that's hard to beat right there so hard to beat. um who should be our next guest on the podcast Oh boy, that's a tough one. Oh boy. Oh. Your next guest on the podcast. Let's go go with some young guy that just finished up playing recently. Uh, you had Coach Larson recently. Um, Jordan Bohannon. You had Jordan on yet? No, we haven't. I, th I think. Well, we, he's not done playing. We got. We have some. We have some. Uh, uh messages out to him and actually a teammate who might be on here shortly but uh yeah we that would be a good one we'd go for that it would be a good one i mean he's been around uh everybody knows him everybody loves him uh and he's not done yet 
No, I, I actually, Adam and I talked a little bit about this. I kind of like to get Jason. So Jason, you know, obviously his older brother was our age. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that might be, talk about the Wisconsin days too. And Oh my, but, yeah. Yeah. You, so. you could have some internal family questions there, man. I would love to, to see those guys play horse. Yeah, no kidding. No, we'll, we'll, we'll try to figure out the best shooter out of that group. But yeah. all right, um, two more for you. We'll get you out of here, Coach. What's the best thing about uh, getting the opportunity to coach in Algona? Um, our community gets behind us. Uh, you know, whether you're alumni, I've really enjoyed getting to know our alumni. Just guys like you, Brian. Uh, I've connected well with those those people uh, and tried to connect this era with their eras. Um, the community gets behind us. Um, whether you were a parent. You know, 10 years ago, you're still behind us uh, or you've got kids playing right now. Um, they support us. You know, I've been here long enough and, and just feel so fortunate that um, I don't have the same issues that I might hear about somewhere else. Uh, and so I feel very lucky about that. And it's hard to be a coach this long in one spot. And uh, you can count them, you know, on one or two hands, the guys that you're saying, and they made it 20 years at that school. Uh, and I'm, I feel pretty lucky. And I think that's a, a because Algona is a great place. Well, and I think to that point too, Algona's uh, longevity with a lot of their coaches and, you know, specifically in basketball. I mean, there's any program's going to have some turnover, but there have been some coaches that have been there for a long time. And that, that speaks to the community and the, the parents and the players. So I would agree Absolutely. with you there. Um, all right. New one that we would like to end on. There's a reason we call this the shooter's touch. Um, obviously Adam and I uh, enjoy shooting the basketball um, just kind of came together, but what does it mean? Uh, to you if someone has the shooter's touch? A uh, couple things. One, uh, they're going to shoot the ball and it's going in. And to me, uh, and I like to shoot too. Uh, when I was a kid, and I know I, I've, I've uh, aged a little bit. I've aged well. How about that? There you go. But uh, when, when my kids are in the gym with me, I've never taken it easy on them. And so they'll say, man, dad can still shoot. Uh, shooter's touch is the ball's going in and uh, you know it before you release it. And that's that's a shooter's touch. And, and I I know you well enough to go, man, I know exactly why you've got that name. So it's perfect fit. Uh, and then shooter's touch is just uh, if you can't shoot, you don't understand it. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I like that. I would I would agree with that. It's kind of when you know, you know, type of deal. And uh uh, it's definitely a confidence that you bring with you when you step on the court. So, well, coach, we appreciate you taking some time. Uh, it was a lot of fun to catch up. Um, obviously clear some of the stories that I didn't even know all about. Um, get your story. Um, take, take some time with us. And so thank you. We really do appreciate it. Well, Brian and Adam, I, I love being on it again, big fan. And, and uh, it's just an honor to have, have be on here and uh, I'm humbled uh, and uh, like the coverage too. I mean, I think it's good to, to hear about places like Algona and, and just, you know, little old coaches like myself that are just out there grinding. And that's what we're doing. Yeah, man, it was it was great to meet you, Coach. Um, as Brian said, we appreciate your time. I'm uh, excited. I might have, to, might have to ride up with Brian one of these days and get some uh, get some premier pizza. That's, oh, uh, my. And cheese sticks. Got to get their, their cheese gotta sticks. Got to get the cheese sticks. Yep. Man, that's right, well, well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll come, up, come up. We can maybe grab, grab a bite to eat for the game or something. You catch a game, and we'll treat you right up there at Premier. all right coach i appreciate it we appreciate it all right take care guys thanks much there you have it that was a fun conversation with coach it's always good to catch up we appreciate you guys listening if you took anything from this last episode let us know we'd love to hear from you we'd love to interact 
Um, your feedback is what allows us to continue to get better at what we're doing and continue to bring on great guests. And so let us know what you liked or what you didn't like. And uh, if you aren't already following us on Twitter, that's probably the best place to stay the most up to date um, as far as information and news that's coming out from uh, the basketball community as well as here at Shooter's Touch. And so hit us up there. If you if you don't already follow us, follow us there and we'll uh, we'll keep you up to date as far as all things hoops and Again, we appreciate you listening. Tell a friend. And as always, shooters shoot.